imagine what it would take for you to believe that your sibling was the incarnation of God? I think I would need to see some signs and wonders. I would need to really, really see them living it out. So in short, it would need to be true. Jesus had a brother named James, and I think being the brother of Jesus, he has a perspective we really need to pay attention to. So that's what we're doing in this series called The Book of James. We hope you enjoyed this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Are you guys familiar with the power of words? You've probably, if you've like spent any time in church or even like a school like assembly, you're going to hear about how words are powerful, how we talk to each other matters, um, very important stuff. We saw in our game tonight that there are some people that have spoken some powerful words, right? Like the prophet Jeremiah speaking. Well, uh, yeah, Justin as well, but the, the prophet Jeremiah <laughs> speaking with the words of God, be like the voice of God to his people, very important thing Jeremiah and other prophets did. Justin Bieber, also important. Um, I, not, uh, not as important, I'll say, but um, great examples. Uh, and I'm sort of kidding, but also not kidding. Like, like these people in our world, musicians and, and leaders and like military leaders and rulers and kings, all kinds of people um, have used words to change the world. Like that's a weird thing that happens in the world, that people use words to change the world. I think of leaders um, like Adolf Hitler, who built an empire of hate based on his words. I think of leaders like Martin Luther King Jr., who led a movement of equality with words, like known for how well he could speak. Um, Their words literally changed the world, literally changed everything. Words can move people to action. They can inspire people. They can change people. Abraham Lincoln is a man that comes to mind as well uh, for his words because he gave really powerful speeches. He was also known as a great speaker. And he also was not afraid to say things that some people were not a fan of. And it actually, his words were what got him assassinated eventually. Um, in 1865, it was with his words that he had, you know, he had his, his words in a speech that had freed slaves all over the, the, the nation. It was those words, it was that belief and, and what came from his words that led to his death. You probably learned that in history class. There's also some really interesting things after his assassination that I'd like to talk about with Abraham Lincoln that I think you should know about. 22 years after he died and was buried in a cemetery, 22 years later, it's 1887 now, rumors began to circulate that Abraham Lincoln's body was gone. 22 years later. Now here's the thing. 22 years is like kind of a long time, but like people who were at the, the, the funeral saw him get buried were clearly still alive and could say, no, I saw that. That's not, there was, there was, he was there, you know, he was in there. So like 22 years go by and they're like, well, his grave's empty. What are we going to do? So it actually, the, the rumors exploded all over the nation so much so that they dug this man up and checked his, this is, look it up. They looked, yes, in his coffin and show enough, he was still there. <laughs> he was very much there, um, and they had just dug the man up for nothing. Um, and then, listen, only 14 years later, now this one isn't quite as impressive because they had dug him up to move him into like a crypt, like some, not just like a hole in the ground, but like this memorial for Abraham Lincoln. But still, of the people present, I actually read 23 people. That's all it took. They were there, and they were like, are we even sure he's still in there? Where'd he go? <laughs> Yes, he's still in there, but that, it was just words. That's all it took. It was just these people saying, he might not be in there. 
They, they took a peek. They took a peek ski in the coffin. And guess what? Still there. Still there. It's, look it up. It's so real. This is history, people. All this to say, <laughs> through Adolf Hitler, through Martin Luther King Jr., through Abraham Lincoln, words are powerful. There are many people who spoke powerful words. I'd like you to think about a time. Think about the history of your life when somebody said something to you that really stung, that really hurt you, that stayed with you. Think about something that someone said to you that mattered. Maybe they criticized something you were proud of. Maybe they made fun of your physical appearance. Um, or maybe it was something like really small, just a passing comment that they didn't even really mean anything by, but you just hung on to it. That stuff still hurts, right? Even if they don't mean that, it still hurts. It stays with us. You can probably think of a few of those. I think it's just crazy how words can stay with us forever. There's that like sticks and stones thing. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but, but names will never hurt me. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And listen, there's, a, there's like your injuries will heal and even emotional like scars can heal, but words stick with you. You remember that stuff. It's, it's really impressive how powerful your words are and how they can bring people down. They can raise them up. Words are powerful. So we're in this series on the book of James. We're studying the book of James, and um, we're talking about James, the brother of Jesus. I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. What would it take for you to believe your sibling was the savior of the universe? Yeah, right. And I'm, that's what James said first. He was like, come on, I'm not so sure. This isn't in the Bible. I just have to assume. James was like, my brother, Jesus, I know him. It's going to take a lot for me to believe he's the Savior. And eventually, James went on to say, Lord, I am your servant. To his brother, he said, Lord, I am your servant. James believed his brother was the Savior. So James had a pretty good idea of the power that words have. So we're going to take a look at what he said about it in James 3 verses one through eight. This is what he said. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Man, have you seen that? Like Twitter is a, a firestorm. Don't you dare tweet the wrong thing because words are powerful. And this is James coming to life. You are, you are really you, what you say matters. Every word you choose matters. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for, um, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So this, he's saying the hardest thing to control is your tongue. Because if we could control our tongue, we can control anything else about us. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Jeez. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Whoa, guys. 
it sounds like he's describing a demon straight from hell, right? Like these, this description is so serious. He's talking about the words you use. That is quite a description James gives here. So in this passage, he gives us three illustrations of the power of the tongue. Let's talk about each one really quickly. I don't know how much you know about horses, but horses, listen, some people have a fear of horses and it kind of seems irrational, right? Like there's this big, beautiful, majestic creature. But let me tell you, this is a very rational fear that people have. People are afraid, they go to the beach one time, they think they're gonna get eaten by a shark. Can I give you some numbers, please? Less than one person in the United States per year is killed by a shark. Six in the whole world, six people are killed by a shark every year. Cows more than horses, but let me tell you about horses. 20 people. Tw- yes, horses, your beloved her- her- horses. <laughs> Getting fired up here on a Wednesday night. Now, I know 20 people, that's a low number. I recognize that's a low number for how many people, but don't be afraid of sharks if you're not going to be afraid of horses. Don't even get me started on hippos. Don't even get me started. Anyway, so horses, um, they're these giant beasts. They've been largely tamed by man, right? We, like, throughout humanity, we've been using horses to transport things, to ride and transport ourselves and messages, and it's been like a whole thing. Um, You know what it took this giant beast it took to tame a horse, putting a stick in its mouth. That's the whole thing. A bit, the bit that you put in a horse's mouth, you tie it to reins, and when you pull on a reins, it turns the bit, and it turns the whole horse just by that little stick in its mouth. That is what it takes to tame a horse. And I'm a big fan of boat rides. Um, I don't know about you. I've been like. Uh, when my wife and I went on our honeymoon, part of that was a cruise, which was super fun. Um, I've been on like deep sea fishing. I've been on like small boats. One time on a deep sea fishing thing, I got like extremely seasick. I'd never gotten seasick before, but I could not eat pasta salad for a long time after this because it was just, it was like this relation, like throwing up and pasta salad were just like crossed. The wires were crossed in my head. Anyway, um, even still, even when I'm blowing chunks, I love Boat rides, I think that's super fun that we can do that. And it's amazing to me that even the most giant ship is steered by this little wheel, the helm, the boat steering thing, and, and that little wheel is attached to a little paddle underwater, just a little paddle that you turn the wheel, it turns the paddle, it turns the entire ship wherever the captain wants to take it. So just like the, a bit in the mouth of a horse, just like a rudder on a giant ship, our, our, the same thing happens to us. Our tongue can control us. It can guide us. It can direct us. And if we're not careful, it can steer us into trouble. Wildfires are a huge topic of discussion right now. This is something huge all over the news. Not too long ago, the news was consumed by California wildfires. Um, right now, still, Australia is facing more fire than ever. A lot of people's lives and property are at stake. Um, and even like 24,000 square miles of, of land in Australia uh, are on, on, with brush fires. And even these largest fires, they start with a spark. A A spark. <laughs> They don't start with a little fire. I mean, they do, but that little fire started with a spark. And like in the case of like the Amazon, in the case of Australia, we're probably talking about a couple fires that come together, but each of those fires started with a single spark. James is using these illustrations to say one very important thing. Watch your mouth. 
This is like, this is a little bit of a trigger for me. Um, this was a phrase my mom said, watch your mouth when I was having an attitude, maybe for some of you as well. But James is saying to us, whether we like it or not, he is saying, watch your mouth. And this is something we've taught at Apex before, right? We say, um, we'll probably do it again this year. We say, watch the room. Watch or look around you for people that are alone to help them feel welcome. We say, watch your feet. When you're standing in a circle, make sure you're standing in an open circle so that we can show that we are welcoming. And the third thing is to watch your mouth. And, and James is making the same point here. He's saying, your words can hurt people. Your words can make people feel unwelcome, unsafe, and make people feel small. And Apex is not about that. So watch your mouth. We started studying this book of James, and uh, we started talking about how true religion is reaching out to the rejected. And then last week, Dave led us as we studied in James 2, and we learned that faith and works are the perfect pair. Tonight, James is getting really personal with us. These are some like personal attacks. Um, and he's reminding us that what we say matters. How we speak matters. Our words are very powerful. So watch your mouth. I think everyone in here can think of a time when their words got them into trouble. And maybe it was with, you know, a parent that you like had an attitude with and you got told to watch your mouth or you hurt someone where your stupid mouth got you into trouble. I have those stories. I'm sure you have those stories as well, where the words you chose hurt someone. You, you hurt someone through the words that you chose, maybe in the heat of the moment, sometimes in the heat of the moment, sometimes planned, calculated, sharp words intentionally. It happens to all of us from time to time, um, and you'll have a chance to share in your small groups if you have an opportunity or a story that comes to mind. You can be thinking about that. James is showing us that the problem of the tongue is a common one. This is one that we all face as humans, and he's also showing us that this is a problem to be taken seriously, that we need to be careful about the words we choose, and, and it's going to take serious work to address this problem. Allow me to get very practical, and I'm going to get personal as James does. How is your tongue doing? That's kind of a real question. Um, how, watch your mouth. Uh, would you close your eyes for me? Just close your eyes. Look down a little bit. Get into a, a private place in your mind. I'm going to ask you some questions. And I'd like you to really think about these questions. So keep your eyes closed. Stay in that place. It's just you. Think about these questions. I'm going to pause in between to give you a second to think about it, okay? Do I say hurtful things about others? Maybe a better question is, how often do I say hurtful things about others? This past week, in the past seven days, who have I hurt with my words? Do I use language that doesn't reflect a life of someone following Jesus? Do I gossip about people? Or how often do I gossip about people, entertain rumors, or talk about people behind their back? How many times in the past week have I joined in on a conversation talking negatively about someone who wasn't there? Did I stand up for them or did I join in? This one can be really telling. 
do I have to change the way I talk depending on who I'm around? Okay, look back at me. Uh, this can be, this self-evaluation can be eye-opening. And I hope some things came to mind. I hope you're starting to think of some, some stories and some times where maybe you didn't choose the right words or didn't talk about people in a helpful way. This is also a good time for me to bring up the idea of shame and that we're not talking about this so you feel bad about yourself. That's important that you know that. We're not talking about this so you feel bad, but we're asking you to take a closer look at your lives, take a closer look at the way you talk and, and find out how we're actually doing about watching our mouths. So to transition from shame to victory, let's talk about a couple ways to work on this. A couple things we can do. Um, one thing you can try for the next week, every time you talk about a person, pretend that that person is right next to you. Every time, you talk, you, every, every time anyone else's name comes into your mouth, pretend like they're right next to you. How would you talk about them? How would that change the way you talk? I would argue that the way we talk about a person is not necessarily the heart of the issue. Um, the way we feel about people, the way we show love to people is really the issue here. The grace we extend to people, and that's the real thing. But as we talk about people with more love, it promotes the love we feel for them. Right. If you can control your mouth, nothing is out of your control. That's what James says. If you could control your mouth. So the degree we control our mouths is a really telling sign about how well we control our feelings, how will we control how we feel about other people and the love we can show to other people. So as we do some self-evaluation, think about it this way. Imagine that your parents or maybe myself or Jesus, we're all going to sit down together and we're going to watch a video of every word you said for the past week. Yikes is right. Imagine sitting down and, and think of the parts, which parts of that video would you like to fast forward to through behind your back? Like, hey, did you see that? Why don't you go get some popcorn or something? What are the parts of that video that you would not like people to see? <clears throat> Those are the things to work on. And not because you should censor yourself or pretend to be a certain way around a certain group of people. That's not the stuff I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about the things you look back on and you realize, I really could have hurt someone with those words. If they knew I was talking about them that way, they would be hurt. Or if you look back and say, I really regret saying that thing. Or I don't want to be a person that talks like that. Or I, I know speaking like that is not a good reflection of Jesus. Those are the things we're working on. Not, we're not talking about pretending to be a, way, a certain way around people. What are the stuff you look back on and regret? And you look back on it and you say, I know that was missing the mark for what God has for me. That's not a good reflection of Jesus. Those are the things we're talking about. When James is talking about the tongue, he gives us a little hint in his examples, the way he talks about it. He says it's powerful, it's unruly and dangerous. In fact, he says no one can tame the tongue. You're not going to get there. You're not going to get all the way there. But through his examples, a bit in the mouth of a horse, the rudder on the ship. We do learn, we may not be able to completely control it, but we can work towards doing better. We can be more intentional about the words that come out of our wet mouths. It's something we can work on, but it's not gonna happen easily. It's not gonna happen magically. It's not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna take discipline, holding ourselves accountable and being brutally honest with ourselves. Self-evaluation, should I have said that? Would that have hurt someone? deciding you want to reflect Jesus with every part of your life, including what comes out of your mouth. 
including the way you watch your mouth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word, for how we can apply it to our lives, for how we can learn how to live a life that reflects you well. So tonight, I, I dedicate my mouth to you. And I pray you help me to see the times that I am not speaking the way you would have me speak. Illuminate the times in my life that my words are hurtful to other people. Show me those things so that I can repent. I can say, God, I'm sorry. And I'm gonna try to do better. God, in this room, I pray that our conversations um, are are beneficial, that we are thinking more deeply about these things as we talk about how to, to control our mouths, how to tame our tongues. You told us it would be difficult. So tonight, we take on that difficult task. And it's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be complete. But God, help us to tame our tongue the way you've asked us to, the way we, uh, to use our tongue, watch our mouths in a way that reflects you well. We dedicate it to you. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope this message has mattered in your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Jesus.